I'd like to take a walk in the woods. Come with me, do you think you could? We'll find a tree that we can climb. We'll have fun all afternoon. Welcome to Nurture in Nature Radio. Join us each week where we'll show you how getting outdoors with your family can help your kids be happier, healthier and smarter. And you'll open the door to a whole lot of fun too. So come on, lace up your boots and let's go and play outside. Here's your host, Tanya Maloney. Hi everyone and welcome to Nurture in Nature Radio. I'm your host Tanya Maloney and thanks for coming along to play for episode 3 of the show. Today on the show I'm speaking with Griffin Longley from Nature Play Western Australia. In this interview, Griffin and I chat about the movement to reconnect people and children to nature in Australia and how to give your kids a passport to an amazing childhood. Griffin encourages you to weigh up the risks and rewards of nature play and we'll also talk about the potential risks of our kids not spending time playing outside. You'll also learn how technology and nature can go hand in hand to encourage your tech-savvy kids to get back outside. And we chat about lots of practical initiatives and resources you can tap into, including Nature Play WA's 51 Things to Do Before You're 12. See how many you and your kids can tick off. Okay, so let's get into the interview. Hi everyone, Tanya Maloney here and today I'm really excited to be speaking to a really great man who's doing a lot of stuff here in Australia, Griffin Longley and Griffin is the CEO of Nature Play WA based in Perth, Western Australia. Uh, He's also an award-winning journalist and a weekly columnist for the Western Australian newspaper and manager of a program for at-risk kids in the Midland area called Midnight Basketball, which sounds like lots of fun. Uh, so Griffin became involved in Western Australian Government's Nature uh, Department of Sport and Recreation's fledgling Nature Play WA initiative in 2010 and he has built that up with his very small and dedicated team um, to a thriving independent association uh, and something really special here in Australia. So he lives in Perth, uh, he loves nature and, and he's, a, he's a dad himself so he, he is fully immersed in getting his kids out in nature, which uh, which is great. We'll hear a little bit about. So welcome, Griffin, and I'm uh, really thrilled to have you be here today. Oh, my pleasure. Excellent. Now, I've just you, you do know I've just come in from jumping in puddles, so <laughs> we'll see how we go. Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> dream. That's right. That's right. Now, when I was putting this interview series together, I was doing some research on many of the fantastic people around the world who are working in the movement to reconnect children with nature. And of course, I came across Nature Play WA and, and yourself, um, and you guys are really leading the movement here in Australia to reconnect kids with nature, and, and that's a wonderful thing. So would you share with us how you got involved in that and why you came to be so passionate about what you do? Yeah, sure. Look, a few things sort of um, came together for me. I mean, the first was... Um, one of my two daughters, I have two daughters who are 13 and 15 now, but one of them actually got very sick. Um, she had a, a kidney disease that was potentially life-threatening at the time, um, just to put everyone's mind at ease, it's all fine now, she's perfectly well. But at the time, I was working as a full-time journalist um, in, a, in a stressful newsroom, and having that into my life um, really made me stop and, and think about what was important to me and what I wanted to do going forward. So that that had a big impact on on the decisions I started making from that point. 
Um, the first decision I made was not to be a full-time journalist anymore. Uh, I was still writing um, opinion columns for the West Australian newspaper, which I still do today. Um, but I was starting to look at other things to do. I, I sort of got to the point where I didn't want to be just a commentator anymore. I wanted to, to actually be involved in something and see something through from start to finish, which is something that as a journalist you tend not to do. Yes. You come in at the apex of things and then you disappear. Um, so then as writing my columns, I found myself more and more writing about issues around childhood and around families and, and the sort of the cultural change that we're living through. And there are some really profound changes that are, that are part of the reality for modern families that are, haven't been part of the reality for families at any other point in human history. Um, then I was lucky enough that the Department of Sport and Recreation started thinking about putting together an organisation called Nature Play addressing some of the impacts of those changes on families and on children specifically. And they saw some of my columns and invited me to be a part of the process and sort of start the conversation with them. From that, I increasingly um, I, I became more and more involved, uh, initially just in the conversation, then a couple of days a week. Um, and then I was, with the department, able to build the organisation to a point where it, we were able to attract some independent funding through Cabinet here in Western Australia um, with the support of the Department and also our Minister, Tuck Waldron, who's very passionate about this subject. And from there, I was able to take it on as a, as a more full-time position. I'm now four days a week doing this and writing my column one day a week. So those are the things, and I suppose the, in the background of all of that is that I had what I describe as a very free-range childhood. I had parents who were athletes but also very artistically minded and they had a real desire to make sure that my brothers and I have two brothers, that we had the kind of childhood that allowed us to make mistakes, um, to get a, you know, be in situations that we had to get ourselves out of and, and to be in nature and, and, and having a creative, active childhood and, and we certainly did. And so I think being a parent, um, I'm wanting to do that for my kids too. And it's lots of fun, isn't it? We just had a great time out in the puddles. It is freezing over here in Victoria and, uh -huh. you know, we, we put our boots on and, and everything. So, yeah, lots of fun. And they had a great time and feel better. Uh, yeah, you never regret it. You never regret doing it, that's for sure. No, absolutely. Now, just just on that, and you know, on your free-range yep. childhood, I, you know, I grew up on a farm too, so I had a lot of free-range to do a lot of things and learn about life and, yep. and the circle of life and all that sort of stuff. But you guys at Nature Play WA have a lot of resources, and one of them is 51 things to do before you're 12. Now, uh -huh. I imagine you've ticked a lot of those off, and so have I, but... But what, do, what are we finding from the research that, you know, a lot of kids 12 and, you know, around 12 would have done, you know, how much would yeah. they have done of those things? Look, we've done very few of them is the reality. I think it's um, a third of Australian children um, haven't climbed a tree. Yeah. Um, that's primary school age children. So that's one of the more basic list. And, and really that list was designed to be, you know, inspirational, I suppose, for kids and, and also to give them a little bit of ammunition in the pester power yes. with their parents and say, hey, look, you know, there's some things here that I put forward as, as good things to do and I haven't done them. When am I going to get to climb a tree or, you know, some of the more extreme things that are on that list? There's a funny story with that list. Um, we started off with the 15 things to do before you were 12 uh, and then the National Trust in England 
put out the 50 things to do before you're 11 and three quarters. Right. So we, we thought it was quite funny. So then we had to go one up and, and get back on top. So we had to go to 51 things to do. Of course. Excellent. Well, uh, I encourage everyone to get on the Nature Play WA website and uh, have a look at those and, and see how many you've ticked off uh, yourself. And if that's not so many, then maybe, you know, us adults could get outside and, and do a bit of Nature Play as well particularly with our kids. Now, I know you've recently been over to the US and you, you've been talking to Martin LeBlanc and all the great people who are a part of the Children and Nature Network and movement over there. Um, yep. And so can you share with, with us where the movement is headed here in Australia and how, in connecting with others around the world, like the Children yeah. and Nature Network, we can be part of that global engagement? Absolutely. Look, I suppose the first thing is there is quite a lot happening in this space in Australia. At this stage, it's largely happening independently in different states and different territories, and there's not a lot of communication between the different people working in this space in Australia, which is something that um, it's great that it's happening in, in all the different places, and, and Nature Play WA, we're as guilty of not communicating as everyone else. It actually gives me real hope that there's, there's still that next step to happen where we all start working together more. And the reason we don't work together is more just out of being overwhelmed by the tasks at hand. It's not that anyone doesn't want to work together, it's just that it's, uh, there's so much to do um, that it can be pushed to the bottom of the pile. It can happen. We're starting to have relationships um, outside of Australia, which is in some ways a strange way to start. But I think every relationship you can have in this issue helps build the global momentum. And I think that's important for those of us working in this area, but it's also important for kids, specifically when a kid knows that there's kids around the world starting to get excited about this, that they feel like they're part of something that's bigger than just what mum and dad or the teacher or the, the guy on the internet might be saying, when it's part of something that's, that's a movement and a trend, I think that, that's a lot more exciting for them. So those connections are starting to happen, but it's, it's, it's starting slowly. Uh, and I think the quicker we can get that, that really rolling and start working together in a more tangible way, the better off we're all going to be. Very exciting, and, and, and I'm really humbled to be speaking to a lot of these people, both in Australia and and, and uh, across the world, which is lovely. So, um, now one of the things that I that I know you're, um, I've heard you speak before, and I know you're pretty passionate about is is one of the common themes in this interview series, and and that's that we tend to be parenting from a place of fear, and so in being yeah. focused on those potential risks, are we? of being outside in nature, are we really maybe overlooking the risks that are going to occur from not being out in nature? Look, I think we are. There's a couple of parts to that. I think the first thing is it's very easy to think about risks on their own as though they exist independently of benefits. And I think whenever we think risks, it's important to remind ourselves to also think about benefits because the truth is that we take risks each and every day of our life. Um, but there's a lot of risks we take, which at some point in our lives we've decided is worth the risk because the benefit is profound. So even things like getting in a car, I mean, there is a risk involved in getting in a car, but the benefit of being able to travel um, in a modern world is sufficient that we're prepared to take that risk. We're prepared to take it with our own lives, with our children's lives. You know, we weigh it up and we think it's a reasonable thing. 
What tends to happen, though, is there are areas that, that we look at just in the risk and we don't apply that benefit analysis as well. And I think that's the key. And, you know, with, with the kinds of risks we're talking about in nature play, which are the risks of independent play, of being in nature where there are, you know, there are snakes in the bush and you can fall over and you can fall out of a tree. There's all things that can happen. But I think the key thing is just being aware of what those benefits are that come with it. And we only have to think back to our own childhoods to know what the benefits are. Um, I think it's, it's a very important step to make to think about, you know, the moments you had when you were a child, when you really felt like you were growing and learning uh, and when your character was being assembled. And almost all of those happen in nature. It's very rare that that happens in the lounge room. You know? And it really is part of a much broader human inheritance. You know, it's like fire. You know, playing is, is fundamental, and that sort of independent play is fundamental to being a human being. And, you know, there is a serious benefit in it, and there is a serious risk in removing it. Um, in terms of the risks of removing it, there are immediate risks. There, there are risks in not being physically active, and children's physical activity comes from play. You know, kids don't work out on treadmills, you know. And even if you play, like my daughters play for two basketball teams, being a basketball family as we are, that even that doesn't get them the minimum guidelines of physical activity per week. Physical activity for kids comes in the gaps between organised activities. Adults can't be there all the time. So engaging and, and making active that is hugely important. And that, you know, not having that is a risk for body shape, for health, for all sorts of important things, and for mental health. But I think there's a broader risk, and that is there is a risk in, in not allowing children the opportunity to learn how to engage and live and thrive in a complex world. You know, the, the reality is that risk and challenge and adversity are all around us our whole life. And to think that we're doing the right thing by removing that, as much of that from our children's lives as we can, until the moment we set them free at 18 or 35, depending on how it goes. It's a big ask on kids, and, and there's a very good example of that with the challenge that, that driving instructors are having teaching modern kids how to drive. And if you speak to a driving instructor who's been doing it for a long time, they'll tell you that it's got a lot harder. And the reason they'll give you is that the kids who get in the car, the seat of that car, haven't had experience of riding a bike on the road, and many of them have barely been a pedestrian. You know, in an effort to keep these children safe, we're depositing them at the single most dangerous point in their life, the first year of having a car, and expecting them to safely negotiate a road where their first experience of negotiating traffic is at 60 kilometres an hour behind two tonnes of steel and glass. Now, that's an effort to protect that is actually endangering. So getting that balance right and acknowledging as parents, as educators, as a community, that part of our responsibility to safely bringing up children is to, to give them opportunities to develop the competency and the confidence to engage with risk, to assess it, to negotiate it, to not be scared of it. And also to learn, to learn too, when, they, when they're out in nature too, they're learning to communicate, particularly when they're out with other children, they're learning to communicate and, and about leadership and about, you know, sharing and taking turns. And, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. 
there's negotiation skills that happen. And, you know, if you think back to the time, which was only one generation ago, when there was games of cricket going on in the local park, just, you know, with a, a bin and a tennis ball, if you walked up into that game and expected to bat straight away because, you know, you expect things to go your way, you would very quickly be told you have to field for an hour. And, you know, you, you might be a bit cross about it, but there's no adult there to, to be an intermediary and you actually have to work it out. Right? That, that sort of interpersonal negotiation that happens when kids are on their own and creating their own games, that's invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. Griffin, another amazing initiative you have with Nature Play WA, you've created what's called the Passport to an Amazing Childhood Program, and there you harness the power of technology and show that technology and nature can really go hand in hand and we're meeting kids where they're at. Could you share with us a little piece? Absolutely. Look, and on that, I think one of the critical things to engaging kids with nature in the modern world is, is to not pretend we can turn the clock back. You know, kids and adults have a digital life as well as a, as a real life um, life now. So we can't pretend that doesn't happen. How we can use that and, and make it a tool for, for positive change is, is the challenge. It's not how do we cut it out of their lives. One of the ways we've engaged with that is with our passport program. Um, we have a physical printed passport that we, we send out to schools and daycare centres and the like. Um, and through that, we encourage kids to go onto our website. And it's kind of ironic, you know, we want kids to go outside and go to our website and register their passport. And then we deliver them, um, there's up to 200 missions per age group. And the missions are just activity ideas of things to do outside. When the kid does that, they actually build an online avatar. It's a cartoon representation of themselves, and they get points for doing the missions outside. So their avatar accrues points. They can use those points to buy accessories for their avatar, so their avatar gets a pair of binoculars or a dog or various things. And there's a leaderboard to see who's doing the most missions. So it's kind of like a digital game, but it's the action of the game happens outdoors rather than in the computer. So it's really trying to, to focus on, on what we know is gaining kids' attention. Kids enjoy technology, they enjoy competition, um, and they really enjoy these online games. So how do we use that to get kids outside? Um, so that program we've been running for just over two years. Um, we haven't advertised it in any way other than you know, when media have spoken to us about it. Um, and to date, we've had orders for 115,000 passports. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, um, with the fact that there's, I think, 246,000 kids in primary school in Western Australia. So we've got about a 40% penetration rate. Not all of those kids go on to register on our website. In fact, um, the vast majority of the kids actually just use it as the hard copy passport, which is interesting to us that they don't all choose to go straight to the web. And the passport has stickers and activity ideas of, you know, in, in their own right. So kids use that and we have 15 things to do before you're 12 um, in there. Um, but it's been really interesting to us just the level of, of momentum that that simple program has had, that, that people are so keen for ideas. I think a lot of people understand the problem that we're facing, the challenge of modern parenting. I think a lot of us, while we know that, we don't always have the energy and, and the, you know, the boundless ideas to, to make changes and, and do things. So any tools that can sort of help make that easier for parents, 
I think, um, valuable. And in passport, I think that's what we've seen, is that you know, parents are actually looking for that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great initiative. I've had a bit of a look at it and I'd love to find out some more about it. So um, so what are the, some of the other resources that are available on your website? And if you can actually just give us the website address so we get it right. Sure. So the website's natureplaywa.org.au. Um, look, we've got a range of things on there. We've got sections of resources for parents and resources for teachers. Um, some of the things that are in there that I think are quite interesting, we've got an activity finder, so you can you know, type in how many kids you've got with you, what age they are, whether you're in your backyard or at a park or wherever you're going, and how long you've got to spend, and it will give you some suggestions of things you might consider doing. So we think that's quite a useful one as a starting point for sort of generating... Yeah. Another one that I think is useful for parents that we've got on there is our green time, screen time um, um, tool. And essentially all that is, it's a, it's a drawing of a tree. And on one side of the tree, there's a series of televisions working from the ground up the ground to the top of the tree. And on the other side, there's a series of animals working their way up the tree. And what we ask parents to do is to print that off from our website, download it and print it off on an A4 and stick it on the fridge. And at the bottom of that sheet, there's a space to write in a family treat. And it might be, you know, you have what, you know, the family's favourite meal or you might go to a park, whatever it is. And then every day you ask the children to colour in a television for every hour they spend in front of the screen and an animal colouring for every hour they spend outside. And the aim is to colour in all the animals before you colour in all the televisions. If you colour in all the animals, you get the family tree. So it's just a visual representation of exactly how, how you are spending your time because it's very easy in the hectic life of a modern family to lose track of really what you're doing. And I know when I did that exercise with my kids who are older now, we found the screens going up much quicker than the animals. It was a bit of a surprise to me. Bit of a reality it was a reality check, and the kids actually pulled my wife and I up and said, you know, we've got to do something about this because we want to get the treat. So what they suggested was that we go camping on the weekend and get all of our hours done and go straight to the top of the tree, which, you know, in a way was cheating, but I thought it was quite clever, and, um, you know, going camping was a great idea. So it drove that for us as a family. But it's a, it's a free resource. You can print it off and stick it on the fridge and, and use it. Um, we've also, another thing we've got um, on there, which we're encouraging people to look at, um, running workshops um, for schools, local governments, and even developers who are looking to put in some kind of a nature playground um, that's going to allow the kind of play we're talking about in a safe environment that parents are comfortable with. So we're trying to really facilitate that and, and help people work through that process. And one more thing in there, I mean, there's lots in there, but a few things just to point to. We actually have a homework diary um, that we're encouraging schools in particular to adopt, but individuals can use it too. And essentially, this, the diary has in every day's homework space where the kid writes in their homework, go outside and play for half an hour. Oh, fantastic. And schools who adopt it make play a mandatory part of it. Um, and then we have ideas of things families can do on the weekend and ideas of things they can do in the holidays. So just, again, it's a daily reminder of just, you know, making it part of your life.
Excellent, and 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 making it a habit for the for for these children yeah. and and for families as well. And quite often you can get out and do it with your kids. So homework might not sound so uh, so exciting sometimes, but certainly getting outside and jumping in puddles like we just did is uh, even yeah. ten minutes was wonderful. So um, now in Perth you have an incredible place called called Rio Tension Naturescape. Kings Park and yep. it's a really natural space and one of my f- good friends who lives over there, she's got two nature loving kids and she's a really cool mum uh, Melanie and she volunteers at this place and although we may not I guess can you tell us a little bit about that and although we may not have yep. one of these wonderful huge enormous beautiful parks um, near us what are some other opportunities as parents we could look at in community to be able to get involved in yeah. Um, part of that movement. Yeah, look, Naturescape is a really wonderful playground. Um, it's really more of an environmental space. I mean, it sounds like a funny distinction, but there's no really no equipment. You know, it's it's really just a, a recreation of a natural space. It works incredibly well, and it's a really valuable resource for families in Perth. But it's also something you can do the empty block at the end of your street. It's something you can do at the little bit of scrub on the edge of the beach. It's something you can do um, at a national park. Uh, and what's great about it is that it gives families the permission to enjoy those spaces. They say, this is okay. This is a place you can play. It's okay to wade in this water um, and to move these stones around. It's okay to climb this tree. Um, but really, I think the lesson of Naturescape um, for for all of us, and those of us who don't live right next door to a beautiful park like that, is that you don't actually need a facility for nature play. You know, the kind of play we're talking about, you can do anywhere, anytime. And, you know, sometimes the best play experiences are, are really simple. There was an example at a school near here in Western Australia called West Leeming, where one of the trees in the playground fell over in a storm. And the teaching body had a choice to make. Do we call in the woodchipper or do we leave it for a little while? They left it and the whole school body ended up playing on and around that tree. There was excavations made, the little kids had shops selling leaves, um, the big kids were playing chasey along and swinging from fallen branch to fallen branch and the whole teacher group was amazed at the level of creativity, the social engagements between the age groups. And, and the physical activity and the creativity. Shortly after that, the wood chip arrived and the whole thing was turned to, to wood chips. The kids kept coming back, bringing sticks and bringing stones to that same spot and digging and reinventing those games. Now, to me, that's a great example of just how simple it can be. That school is now looking at opening up a bit of the little corner bush it has to allow the kids in it to play. Um, but yeah, to me, Naturescape, it's, it's just a lesson in, in just how good a playground the natural world is. Just right outside your front door. <laughs> right. Um, now, I was looking at the Nature Play website the other day regarding a new initiative with you, which you have, and I got really excited about it, and it's called Camp Quarrenup. Quarrenup. Yep. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, Camp Quarrenup is a former quarantine station. Um, on an incredibly beautiful bay in Albany in the very southern tip of Western Australia that 
has come under the eyes of the Department of Sport and Recreation and they take school camps there, among other things. What we're doing in the next school holidays, we've booked it out for two weeks and we've organised some kayaking lessons and some row gaining and um, some cultural um, some cultural lessons really about the, the heritage of the area. And we're inviting families to come down and stay there. Um, we're also giving away some of the, the trips down. There is a cost for, for most of them, a very low cost. But we're also we're running a, a photo competition through our local newspaper, the and we're asking people to submit photographs of their kids in nature and the five best photographs are going to win and they're going to spend time down there. Do you have any other suggestions for parents which could assist them in getting their kids outside and engage in nature play? Look, one of the first things I would say is don't be scared of technology. There's some fantastic technology out there that are ways you can really engage your kids in getting outside without trying to tear them away from what you know they like. Um, geocaching is a great example. That's an app you can get on any smartphone, which is essentially a global GPS-based treasure hunt. Uh, something like 20 million geocaches hidden all around the world. There will be a dozen geocaches within a 15-minute walk of wherever you happen to be right now when you're listening to this interview. Uh, it's a great resource. It's essentially free. Um, great way to start. Kids love treasure hunts. They love using technology. Get out and enjoy it. Um, also, have a look around at some of the websites around. There's some great information. Um, ours is one of them, but there's, there's others. Um, and really, I think don't make technology the enemy because that's a fight you'll lose. You know, pick the battles, pick the battles that are important. And the that you should pick is bringing balance. Yes. Let your kids have some technology, use technology, get them outside, but do get them outside. And it, you might find that they resist initially. They may not know what to do when they get out there initially. But very quickly, and with a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance, and sometimes with a little bit of injection of technology, they'll, they'll learn to love it, and they'll be better for it. Excellent. And local government, too, is a really great place. I, I was talking to my local council the other day in their environmental uh, department, and I said to her, you know, have you got any nature play activities for kids or nature activities for kids, treating anything? She shot me back about five or six activities that I could do with yeah. my kids within about ten minutes. Yep. Uh, so local government, I think, is a really is a really great. Um, yep. Great Absolutely. Resource. Excellent. And so, how can people find out about Nature Play WA again? Just if you can give us the website again. Sure, the website's natureplaywa.org.au. Um, go and have a look. The, the passport program, the web-based part of it, anyone can do from anywhere. You don't have to have the physical passport. You don't have to be from WA. Get on there, have a go. If there's anything on there you can use, you're certainly welcome to it. Excellent. Thank you. We'll be getting on that and certainly geocaching with our, in our local environment on the weekend, I think. So that'll be lots of fun. <laughs> Excellent. So right. thank you, Griffin, very much for your time. And I've had a great time talking to you. So uh, Thanks, we'll touch base again. And, and yeah, thank you so much for letting us know what's going on over here in, uh, in Australia.
Most welcome. Thanks, Tanya. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you really enjoyed this episode of Nurture in Nature Radio. In the next episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Ron Swaysgood. Ron is a conservation biologist. He's also the Director of Applied Animal Ecology at San Diego Zoo, and he's the co-founder of Family Adventures in Nature, a family nature club that runs out of San Diego in the USA. I chat with Ron about the importance of teaching our children to know and love the natural world to ensure that we're nurturing our environmental stewards for the future. You'll also learn how he, his wife Janice and their two adventurous young boys make nature a part of who they are as a family and how family nature clubs can bring families and communities together. We weigh up the risks and rewards of nature and you'll learn how letting your kids get off the trail to explore nature is often the right thing to do. So please join us again next week for what will be a great chat with Dr. Ron Swaysgood. If you'd like to get weekly tips for getting your family outdoors more often and simple ideas on what to do when you get out there, make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter over at nurtureinnatureradio.com forward slash play. New episodes of Nurture in Nature Radio hit the airwaves each week on a Tuesday morning. That's Melbourne, Australia time. And, of course, you can also listen to this and all our episodes anytime on iTunes and Stitcher. And now it's time for you to switch off whatever device you're listening on and take that all-important step out the door and into nature for lots of fun, learning and memory-making with your family. I'm your host, Tanya Maloney, and I look forward to seeing you and your family outside. Okay, everyone, thanks for listening to Nurture in Nature Radio. Now let's go play outside. I'll race you to the door. See you again next week. Little trees need a chance to grow. It takes time and care. They're a lot like us, you know.